Hello there. My name is D. Yvonne Rivers. I am the host for Birth Moms Real Talk podcast. This is a platform for birth or natural mothers to share about their journeys, to share about their stories. We cover the hot topics, the things where no one else will talk about or go there. We cover the truth. We cover grace and healing. This is a place where birth moms and natural mothers can share their journeys. We are not therapists. We do not give advice. So get your therapist. We listen and we allow birth moms and natural moms to share their story. Listen in. Good day, everyone. My name is D. Yvonne Rivers. I'm your host for Birth Moms Real Talk a platform where birth and natural mothers share their story, share their journey, to give people listening in on how it really is to be a birth or natural mother. A lot of people have an idea, but until they hear it from, as I say, the horse's mouth or the people who live through it, they don't really know. We're, we're a lot the same, but we're different. Every story is different, and I truly believe that every story needs to be told. So we're just happy to have with us today, Shanae. Welcome, Shanae. How are you today? Good afternoon, Miss Yvonne Rivers. I'm well. <laughs> good, good, good. So we want to start you sharing your story of maybe in where you started in childhood. Don't go back to the very beginning, <laughs> but maybe leading up to when you became that mom. I had a good childhood up until age nine and a half when wow. we left. nine and a half so when specific we, okay <laughs> yeah. that's good so my parents are immigrants from jamaica i was born in jamaica but i didn't live there for too long okay and we resided in brooklyn new york and then my mom and stepdad decided to move to georgia in 2001 april mm-hmm. i was nine and a half because my birthday is not until november later that year then at the age of 12, I was sexually abused by my stepfather. So sorry. I, I had to grow up um, earlier than expected. Yeah. I had two half-siblings I had to look after. At I was So when we moved to Georgia, I was nine, mm-hmm. and my half-siblings were seven and one and, one and a half. Okay. So I had to prepare bottles, babysit. Wow. And... You were you were acting the role of a mom at a very early age. Yes. Wow. Wow. Okay. My um mom had to my mom picked up twelve hour shifts at the hospital, and my stepfather worked in the constru- construction industry. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. Now you said something very impactful. Nine and a half that you moved. 12 years old was a really traumatic change in your life. How did you deal with that, Shanae? When the situation happened, my mom took my half-sister with her to Jamaica. So I didn't get to go because school was in still session. This was late April. Mm -hmm. So me and my half-brother were with my stepfather And my stepfather decided to touch me inappropriately. So I informed my teacher that morning and she had me speak to a 
school counselor. Okay. Okay. And then the counselor informed Child Protective Services. Okay. Okay. So now, had this happened prior to your mom going to Jamaica with your, uh, going back with your um, other sibling? Well, this no, was the first this time. Is correct. Okay. Okay. So once Protective Services were contacted, how did that disrupt your life? I know it had to. It disrupted my life because I was put into foster care for a few days while they investigate. Mm -hmm. I remember being there for a few days. The foster mom was nice. It was two other females. One of the um, females was a teenage mom. Mm -hmm. And so she had her baby there. Then I remember going into a courthouse and seeing my mom. She was not happy. Um, wow. They released me back to my mom, but they explained to my mom that social workers will be coming to the home mm -hmm. on a weekly basis. Okay. Not only was my mom there at court, but my stepfather was there at court. His sister, his two sisters were there at court. And when we got back into the vehicle to go um, back to my home, mm -hmm. my mom was very angry. She started calling me a liar. So she didn't believe me. So, oh, okay. So yeah. you bought, you, you buried the brunt of the blame. Mm -hmm. Wow. And you were 12 at that time. Correct. Okay. So after that court hearing or whatever, now you were saying you were in the car with your mom. So where did you go? Did you go back to your home with the stepfather? They did release me back to the, um, they did release me back into my mom's care. And okay. then the social worker would make her weekly visits. I didn't get counseling. I didn't, mm. I just, I went at the age of 10, I liked to journal. So everything, okay. how I felt, cause I used to be teased also. Oh. So I used to like write my feelings and thoughts. Okay. So okay. all I did was journal. Cause at this point I didn't really have any body to talk to right i was just getting the blame everybody was just wow. going against me calling me a liar because i didn't have a close relationship with my stepdad and they figured that since he was on probation i was lying on him to get him in trouble oh, and i didn't wow. even know he was on probation i knew he was arrested wow. a year ago but i didn't know he was on probation so oh goodness goodness so you said your mom didn't believe you how about the social worker or the people at the court you believe they believed you i had they one social they investigated they investigated i had one social worker she was how can i describe her mm -hmm. she was not sensitive mm. um my mom ended up showing the courts my journal and the mm -hmm. social worker brought it to my attention that, oh, I see that you wrote that you had suicidal thoughts. And and I was like, oh, okay. So the, the social worker asked me, well, why would you want to kill yourself and whatnot? Mm -hmm. And I said that because I was being bullied. So right. the social worker was just using stuff from my journal against me. But there was another social worker that I did have a close relationship with. Her name is Miss Linda Ravenel. Mm -hmm. She introduced me to church and mm -hmm. yeah, she ended up being my new social worker for like a okay. year. Okay. So I wouldn't say if she believed me or not, but she could 
she listened in the home. To, she listened to Right. Me. She, she sensed that there were tension in the home. Mm-hmm. hmm hmm So you're back at home, but a social worker was coming by every week to sort of check the situation. So how was it after when you went back? Did things change? I mean, how was it? He, my stepfather did not inappropriately touch me again, okay. but um, me and my mom were fighting constantly. Because of that issue, because you accused yes. him. Wow. Wow. Until what time? So you were back, you were 12. So how long did this inner fighting go on and her not trusting you or believing you? So the social worker would come by once a week. So what the social worker wanted to do was have me and her do like a family meeting with mm-hmm. my stepfather there, but it would end up very upsetting with me crying and there were mm-hmm. shouting matches. So after like two, three months, I want to say, mm-hmm. this was back in 2014. So I'm just giving an estimate. Sure. Mm-hmm. 2004. Okay. So 2004. Okay. Um, after two months, what would happen is Miss Ravenel would have my mom and stepfather meet for a session and then bring me in so that I would have Miss Ravenel to myself. So she would separate okay. us because okay. it was just too much. Right. So that was a way yeah. for you Emotions. to get, you know, and we can refer to her as Ms. R. Um, then I allowed you to have some one-on-one time with her. Correct. Now that I continue on and at what point, I mean, did it get better with these sessions? It got better, but my mom's relationship and I didn't, it, it did not get better. Mm-mm, no. Okay. Okay. So you're still in the home. You're 12, 13. And so what was the period of time there? You were still in school, right? Correct. Okay. So going to school or whatever. So how long was it before you finished high school or what was that period of time? And how was that like? Because how long did they continue with the weekly visits? And at what age were you able to leave the home? So um, the weekly visits ended after a year. They closed the case. I don't know what their findings were, but the case was closed. Okay. Um, I didn't see Miss R again. That got me, that upset me because I had a bond with her, but... okay. She, I would call her sometimes. She gave me her number. Right. Um, we end up moving from that home mm-hmm. into another area in Georgia in 2007. Mm-hmm. And I end up becoming pregnant okay. after being engaged with um, another boy that I barely knew. Wow. So I will say after that um, sexual abuse, like... I did become curious in with porn and whatnot because I had okay. older, I had two other older brothers living in the home. Mm-hmm. My mom had a total of six, but one of them, she um, placed for adoption. Mm-hmm. There was a sibling before me. Mm-hmm. She placed for adoption before I was born, so she only cared for five. So my brothers would have females coming in, mm-hmm. and you could hear them in the room next door having sex. And then when I met my father, I met my father that same year when the sexual abuse occurred. He contacted my mom in June to see if he can 
be in my life. Oh, because he had never been in your life before? Right. He didn't okay. know if I was his, his child, biological child, oh, because wow. my mom wasn't honest. Wow. And unfortunately with my father, that relationship was good. I was happy, but my father tried to inappropriately touch me at age 14. Wow. So that's what led up to me Ooh. becoming a teenage stop, mom stop, at 17. Stop, I mean, all the things you were going through. That was a lot. Mm-hmm. That was a lot. Disruption in your home, and you had the incident with your stepfather. And after a year, the investigation stopped, and here you go again, and meeting your father and going through it again. Wow, that's a lot. So what happened after that? The incident with your father. I mean, was the, how was that addressed? I didn't say I didn't say anything. That one, I, 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 he did. He touched me, and he didn't do any penetration. But at that moment, I blocked it out because keep in mind, I had said something at twelve, and now I'm fourteen. So it didn't even make sense for me to tell my mom or anybody because I felt that no one would believe you would, me. So you wouldn't be heard because you were not heard before. Yes, so that one I just blocked out. I did fight him off and told him that I didn't feel comfortable engaging in that behavior with him Mm -hmm. because he had a one-bedroom. So when I would spend time with him, Mm -hmm. I would sleep in the bed with him. But then once he saw that I was uncomfortable and then my sister, who he had custody of, but that's the sibling my mom placed for family adoption. Okay. So he, he had yeah. custody, always had of the sister that was placed in adoption? He shared, he did oh, she, have her briefly, but okay. then she would, then she, he ended up transferring custody to his sister. Wow. So she would visit him, yes. Wow. That was a lot of stuff going on, Shanae. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Between inner family relationships and so forth. You know, and you mentioned is the fact after all of this and you got involved with a young man that you said you barely knew. Um, I don't know necessarily how that happened, but once you found out that you did were pregnant, what were your next steps and what was on your mind at that time? When I found out I was pregnant, I hid the pregnancy. I was like, I was in denial. Ah, wow. Okay. I was in denial. Okay. Um, so I didn't get prenatal care. I didn't tell my mom cause I'm hoping that my menstrual would come. So right. I'm like, Oh, it's going to come. It's going to come. It's going to come. It's gonna come. It's gonna come. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Then at, but then when you're pregnant, eventually you end up showing. So teachers at school, children yeah. at classmates became asking me questions. So I had yeah. to wear baggy clothes. Keep in mind, my mom is not paying any attention to me because she works long hours. And I I was accustomed to staying in my room unless I had to watch my siblings or whatnot, or I had to come downstairs. I mostly stayed in my room. Okay. And you were 14 then? then? Was Was it 14? No, I was 17. Oh, you're 17. I was 16 going on 17. Okay. So this is 2008 now. Okay. Okay. Wow. Wow. So you kept it secret as long as you could. So who was the first one who asked you, are you pregnant? It was my history teacher. Okay. He asked me and I denied the pregnancy. Okay. Okay. 
So when did you finally admit it and to who? I finally admitted it. It was on a Monday because I remember telling my wow, mom I had something to tell her Monday. Sunday. Okay. Yeah, it was okay. a Monday in October. Okay. I remember telling my mom, mom, before I go to school, I have something to tell you. And she was like, okay. So I came downstairs. Since I was in high school, I was the last one to leave. Mm -hmm. Then my siblings. Right. So I come downstairs and she's like, what do you have to tell me? Mm -hmm. So I told her I had met someone and my menstrual hasn't came. But she was under an impression that I was just sexually active. And she was like, well, we're just going to make sure you go on birth control. But then I'm telling her, no, I have a belly. So I stood up because she was laying down in the couch and she was mm -hmm. watching the news and she was just in shocked. And she was like, you have to get an abortion. And I'm like, I don't think mm -hmm. I can because I'm showing. Mm -hmm. But she was like, yes, you have to, you have to get an abortion. After mm -hmm. that, she was told, she told me I had to go to school. And that was the end of that conversation. What do you mean? What do you mean? Wait a minute. She realized when she, you stood up as you're saying, and, and she saw your belly. So she recognized you were already pregnant, not just sexually right. active. And she said what you had to do. And you said no. And no more conversation. There was no more conversation. Well, at that, mo at that morning, she wanted me to go to school. So she was like, go to school. Okay. And she was just shocked. Hmm. So she was like, go. So I guess it was a lot for her to take in. Mm -hmm. So she told me just to go to school. Hmm. So you went to school. Now, did you come back mm -hmm. home and say, mom, we need to talk or what? I did not say that we need to talk, but she informed me that she told my father who lives in Virginia and she asked him for $500 for me mm -hmm. to get an abortion. He declined and said he didn't have that kind of money. And next so thing. So then the next thing was like, I was like, Ma, I don't believe in abortion. Fast, um, let's go back. Mm -hmm. In July, I had to have been in my second trimester. I started attending church because there was like a neighborhood um there was a church in the neighborhood that would come mm -hmm. around with a van in the summertime and invite the youths. Right. right. So I my, I got permission from my mom to attend. Okay. And I had called Allison. That's the woman I had befriended from the summertime at the church. Mm -hmm. And I had told her the situation because my mom was pushing the issue with the abortion. Right. And when I told her I was against it because I had started going to church from mm -hmm. July, my mom told me um, to shut up. That was after I came from school, after my, after she told me my dad declined and mm -hmm. she was pushing the abortion issue, but I told her no. She told me to shut up. So I went to go call Allison mm -hmm. and Allison was like, she'll, she wanted to meet with my mom and I to see right. how they could help me with right. the, with my options with the pregnancy. Right. And did that meeting happen? It did happen a few days later. Mm -hmm. We were in the living room. Allison suggested that I look into an adoption agency. Mm -hmm. And I do not remember the uh, 
the adoption agency's name, but I do remember her suggesting suggesting adoption mm-hmm. and she would come back with more information and she wanted my mom to think about it. But because I was visibly showing, Allison sat down with my mom and said they weren't going to give me an abortion. And right, right. I know I she had made an appointment for me to go to prenatal, which wasn't until the end of that month mm-hmm. to see how far along I was. Right, right. Because she really didn't know at that particular time when she really no. expect voice of birth with that. So it had to be a lot of emotions going on in your head, back and forth. As you say, well, number one, you reached out to Allison, who was willing to talk to your mom and yourself to give you some options with that. So after the meeting, when you met and had uh, adoption options in an agency, did you go see the agency and then talk about next steps? Um, she gave me, uh, she brought in the lady, so we didn't go into the, we didn't meet with an agency. Okay. The, she, the lady came in and brought us profiles. So when the lady came back, I already went through, I already went to my first prenatal visit. I was six months. So my due date was January. Okay. Okay. I was six months. I know I picked two families. So one was like. A single lady and the other one was a Caucasian lady. It was a single African-American lady that I liked. And then there was another one. Okay. Okay. It so it was going to um, be an open adoption. So you got to choose uh, the parents. Yes, I got to choose the parents. Okay. I did. Um. So the lady would come meet like on a weekly basis. Mm-hmm. With me, but by, I want to say December, my mom had a change of heart and wanted me to raise the baby. Okay. Now, after you found out when you went in for your prenatal, you were six months, you went Mm -hmm. on through the process of choosing parents. And when you Mm -hmm. say your mom changed her mind, so she came to you and said she would help you raise your child? Yes. Wow, and that what month were you in then? So how close to giving birth were you? I was a month from giving birth. Okay, okay. How did that make you feel? I was scared because right. I felt like adoption would be best for the child. Okay. What was the situation with the birth father? So did you have any kind of a connection, communication, or what was the situation with him? The house that we conceived the baby in, he mm-hmm. left. It had a um, for sale sign. So he didn't live there anymore. So I had mm-hmm. no way of contacting. And my mom's close friend tried to help me to see how I could find him. But mm-hmm. I only knew him by his first name. I didn't okay. know his last name. Okay. I knew how he looked. Okay. And it's funny because when he did go to the high school in that area, but dropped out and... He did tell people in the neighborhood that he did, we did have intercourse. And at the time he was with, he was in a relationship with a, another female in that neighborhood and okay. she bullied, she bullied me. So it was like, she was envious of me because I had uh, got pregnant from him. She mm-hmm. knew that you had been with him. 
Yes. Wow. Wow. You got a comment on both sides at you. Wow. So when your mom said that she would help you, you're like one month away of getting birth. So were plans made? Because you were still in her house, right? Still staying with your mom? Correct. Okay. Um, and so were plans made and, and so forth? Or tell me. There was no plans made, really. She was buying baby clothes. Okay. She was coming to terms. She was like, well, she suggested that the baby stay with a cousin since my cousin um, was a stay-at-home mom, but her husband took care of her financially. So she figured um, once I would take time off from school, the cousin would babysit. Okay. So, but was it set? We said babysit. So not per se to have your child all the time. You would still have custody. Is that how it was set? Correct. I would, the, the baby would be dropped off before I go to school and and my oh, okay. mom would pick the baby up. Okay. Okay. Because you were still in, what grade were you in then? You had not finished school. I was in 10th grade. Okay. 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 So moving forward to the birth. So how did that happen? Walk me through you going in and having your child. I gave birth. So I ended up going into labor on January 8th. It was a Tuesday. <laughs> you remember your class. days. Boy, you've got a yes. memory, Sinead. <laughs> I do. I, I was in English class and I put my head down. My English teacher knew I was pregnant. I was close with her. So I told her I was pregnant right, like two right. months before. Mm -hmm. And I remember when I put my head down because I was having cramping and she was like, poor thing. And... The cramping was so unbearable, but I was mm -hmm. able to make it through the day because the mm -hmm. cramping was like on and off. Okay. By the time I got off the bus, uh -huh. I was like, something is not right. So I called, I called my cousin and I told her that I'm in pain and she's like, okay, I'm going to call your mom to see if we can get you to the hospital, but right. my mom would have been able to make it because my cousin was closer. So okay. my cousin came like, I want to say by 6 p.m. she came. So I was waiting like three and a half hours because I usually wow. reached home like 3.30. Yeah. And I was in so much pain. I was walking around like I wasn't prepared to know what contractions felt like. Like I used to That watch was going to be a question to you. Did you even mm -hmm. know what to expect? I used to watch this show on Oxygen called um, Where the the Mothers Would Give Birth. Okay. But I just thought that was an exact, they were exaggerating. <laughs> I didn't know that's that was what TV, I would be going Shanae, through. That was yes. TV. Oh, wow. I didn't know that's what I would be going through. Okay. But it would have been nice to be informed. Yeah. yeah. To expect. Now, were you still continuing with counseling for you with your social worker? At this point, no, okay. I was not, okay. I gave birth to a boy, but I end up raising him. Okay. I end up raising him. Okay. We left my mom's house at, at 19 years old to come to New York. Uh -huh. I end up having two more children. I end up being in the shelter and end up having two more children, wow. but it's the fourth child I end up placing for adoption. Wow. Your fourth child. What age were you then? Mm -hmm. 
So this was in 2008. I was 26 and a half years old. Okay. Okay. So that was like mm, 14 years ago. Yeah. Correct. Okay. So now he was placed for adoption. Did you, was it an open adoption? You chose the parents? Okay. So I moved out of my mom's house in 2011 in May. I had one child. My son was three at that time. I was in a shelter. I was being promiscuous because mm -hmm. I'm still trying to mm -hmm. find myself and recover mm -hmm. from the trauma I had suffered. Right. I was yeah. able, once I went into a group home okay. for single moms, uh -huh. I was able to get counseling through Safe okay. Horizon. Okay. So that was helping mm -hmm. a lot, mm -hmm. um, but I was just falling into toxic relationships. Mm -hmm. So I ended up meeting my second child's father. I gave birth to a girl mm -hmm. in 2013. Mm -hmm. He was helping financially, but he wasn't hands-on. Mm -hmm. Then I met a guy from the Navy because my goal was to join the Navy okay. after I completed high school, but I failed the ASVAB. So okay. I got discouraged, but I tried again to join a few months after moving to New York mm -hmm. and I didn't join, but me and Jason um, had a relationship okay. in 2014, and I got pregnant in 2016 with my third child, and then I conceived again December of 2016. Wow. I wanted to raise the child, but Jay was married, wow. and I didn't know when he was going to leave his wife, and mm. In 2015, I enrolled in college to obtain my associate's degree. Okay. So juggling working in school, I knew I couldn't raise yeah. a fourth child. Wow. Wow. And just counting off one, two, three, four, trauma upon trauma upon trauma upon mm -hmm. trauma. From the time you were 12 years old, nine and a half years old, 14, 17, 19, Ooh, you went through a lot. And I, I take that breath or taking that breath because that's what it is. Because when you're not getting help, you don't know anything else other than toxic relationships. And I congratulate you for number one, recognizing that you needed to getting something stability with the Navy or whatever. Was any support from your mom or anyone else through all of those years when you were having the pregnancies and the children? I've always been secretive as a child. So when okay. I, I didn't even tell my mom I was coming to New York. When I left Georgia um, in May, I wrote her a note. And the sad part is how I came to New York. Mm -hmm. I had to reach out to my father in Virginia Mm -hmm. And I already told you that relationship, he yeah. believed in incest from with me, having yeah. a relation, a sexual relationship yeah. with me. So I had to do things because I needed the money Ooh. 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 and from other men to save up to leave mm. the situation with my mom. Because at this point, my stepfather got deported back in wow. September 2008. So my son was seven months. So my mm. mom became a single mom and we were not stable. So we bounced from house to house. And I got tired. So I, that's how I left to come to yeah. New York. No, yeah. I didn't really 
receive any help until the group home suggested that I go, go through counseling because mm -hmm. they wanted to know why I had left Georgia and right. I had to give them a reason. They were like, oh, you need to be in counseling because mm -hmm. you have some emotions you have to um, work through. And it mm -hmm. showed in my appearance. Mm -hmm. I wasn't doing my hair. Mm -hmm. I wasn't really showering. Like, right. it, it, my appearance showed. Right. You weren't care. I mean, that when you talk about self-care, is like because you give yourself care because you believe that you're worthy of that. So how, what were your emotions then? Well, back again, we know, and I thank you for, you said you were journaling your emotions because that's one way of getting them out. And I don't know what situation you were in or what your thoughts were, but I'm glad you're still here, Sinead. I say it that way because with all the things you've gone through, a lot of times it's really deep, deep, deep depression which can lead you to so many things. So I'm glad you're still here. I'll say that. I'm glad you're still here. And you have fought your way <laughs> through this. So how is it now? Uh, have you been in a reunion with, was your son, your fourth child, right? Yes, and, I gave birth to a and, boy. And how are you? How are you through all of this? Are you in counseling now? Yes, I am. Okay. So I gave birth to Joshua and that's his that's the name I given him but his um his parents his adoptive parents gave him Jordan I gave birth in August 2018 in a Uber I didn't even make it to the hospital um oh I chose goodness, them it's an open adoption they're they're a different race so it's a transracial adoption they're okay. Caucasian it, it, every, um, there's a twist around yeah. every corner. In the Uber, yes, you could is. not make it to the hospital. I could not make it. I was Ooh. trying to get childcare for my other for my girls. Yeah. Because my son was living with um a couple that I had met when I was seventeen mm -hmm. in Georgia, so they were raising him for me. Okay. Because at the time I was having issues with my apartment. So right. I had to move okay. into a, another apartment. So they had custody of him. And I had a tough time finding a sitter. So when I finally found a sitter, I, the adoption agency that I was with, Bethany, my worker, Sarah, she got an Uber for me. But we got in, stuck in traffic. Oh, and, my goodness. Yes, I delivered New York City traffic. And you're in an Uber yep. having your child. Mm -hmm. Oh, my goodness. You survived. You survived. Was I mean everything okay? Everything okay with the birth? Everything was okay. He didn't even cry. It was when I gave birth to him. I told the cab driver because the cab driver was like, "We're almost there," and I was like, "Sir, I just delivered." And he was like, "Oh, are you okay?" And I'm like, "Yeah," and he's like stuck. Like, I... Oh. Well, yeah, obviously you weren't. I mean, like, of course, I know the process of birth, and it wasn't easy. But obviously, when you just say, "Okay, he's gonna get you there," he said, "Oh, I've I, I'm I've already given birth." I can imagine the surprise of him. Well, he knew you were he knew you were, were uh, uh, in labor. Yes, he knew I was pregnant, but I, he wasn't expecting me to give wow. birth. Wow! So you get to the hospital, and what was the process and procedure of you had already chosen the parents? So how long were you with your child? Did you see him? I chose the parents from July. I met the parents in July. Okay. I already had made it an adoption plan from the spring of 2008. Mm -hmm. So 
he was in the room with me. Um, Sarah came within an hour or two after I gave birth. Okay. When she came, I was still in recovery, so the baby wasn't with me. But she, she talked with me and made sure I was okay, and she wanted to make sure that I would still go through the plan of right making an adoption plan. Um, I tried to guard my heart and not get attached to him i did mm. breastfeed him because mm. i wanted him to have that you know early healthy start so i breastfed mm-hmm. him the family came a few hours later they got to bond with him i talked with them okay. i love them from the first time i met them they're very okay decent and loving people okay. they reside in new jersey and i'm in new york so yes Okay. So that was a Saturday I gave birth, and the family was able to see the baby that same day. Okay. It wasn't until Sunday I signed surrender papers. That was before you left the hospital or the day you left the yes. hospital? The okay. day before. I would be leaving Monday. Okay, okay. Now, did you set up any kind of, was it completely open? Did you have visitation? Or explain to me how, how that works, or how did you set it up? So... Because it was a transracial adoption, they preferred it to be open. Mm-hmm. I didn't know what those terms meant. I didn't even know what open adoption meant. Because again, right. I, when I watch TV and you hear these stories, <laughs> you're thinking you place the baby you know, and you're, the baby will see. You might be reunited with the child later down in life. But I didn't know open adoption existed. Right. But she, right. Sarah explained the process to me. Okay. And close and semi, and I said, okay, I'll, I'll, be willing to consider open adoption. Okay. okay. My adoption consists of pictures and, um, once a year visits. Okay. Okay. So that's the pe- he's fourteen now. No, this is in two thousand and eighteen. Sorry. So he he just made four in four. August. Okay. Okay. Okay, so you're getting pictures and you see them once a year? Correct. Okay, all right. So at four years old, he probably doesn't know who you are, or does he? The adoptive mom had the conversation with him when he's two, so he has, he's very smart. Mm-hmm. She had the, she's had the discussion with him since he was two. Mm-hmm. When I would, my first visit with him was in August of 21. That's the okay. first time I saw okay. Jordan again okay. after giving birth to him. So he was It what, was, three? yes, he was about to, it was like two weeks before his third birthday because okay. I met them in Central Park. Wow, wow. So how, how is it now? How First of all, how are you? What's your life like? The rest of your kids and, and all of that. My life, so before I had placed Jordan for adoption, my life was a roller coaster. Okay. I was with his father on and off. The father was married. He mm-hmm. is the father of the third child, but... um. Mm-hmm. I did complete high school in 2010. I did complete college in 2019, but it was a roller coaster. I will tell you that after 
I had placed, mm -hmm. um, I had a child protective case called against me mm -hmm. and my girls were temporarily removed. I went through a major depression. Wow. Wow. Um, and That's... I took good care of my girls, but I was, I wanted to seek help because again, I didn't have any sense of what postpartum depression right. was. It wasn't right. until I was in court mm -hmm. and someone had twisted my words and felt that I was going to harm the child mm. ch children. So mm. that's what, mm. how I got the case. But yeah, it's, it's an emotional, it was an emotional roller coaster yeah. in 2018. And even before that, it wasn't right. until the pandemic mm -hmm. is when I got better. And okay. while everybody was kind of like going through issues mm -hmm. being at home, but for me, I would say the pandemic for me was a blessing. Okay. Okay. Two years after giving birth because okay. I was able to think clearly. Right. I was able to right. see what part I played in mm -hmm. my choices right. after leaving my see. mom's household. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I end up writing more. Good. That's I part of up, your healing. That's part of your healing, right. Sinead. Because mm -hmm. mm -hmm. I had gave up writing after leaving Georgia. Um, right. But it wasn't until I started doing like poetry contest in, okay. in college in 2015. Okay. And I even created a YouTube video, videos okay. where I, Great. Inspirational Shanique, where I talk about different issues. But I would say 2020 is when I really was able to like reflect right. on what had happened to me and mm -hmm consider going back into therapy because although I was in therapy in 2011 mm -hmm. I had stopped going in 2012 right so right. I went back in 2018 mm -hmm. but it wasn't really consistent because with me when things happen to me I want to leave it in the past and kind mm -hmm. of bury it but then mm -hmm. those stuff resurfaced that's that denial that's the right. denial yeah so yeah. once once the counselor starts getting deeper into my past, you know, I just run. You run away. You run and away. And I shut down. Yeah, it's, it's a part in what therapy does. And that's why I encourage people to do their work because you have to go through it to get through it. And mm -hmm. it's painful, emotional, and emotional pain. Let me just say to the listeners, if you haven't heard me say it before, emotional pain is, emotional pain is physical pain. It does bring you, it's physical, it hurts, it's hard, it's hard, it's hard. And I think back to, and I don't know whether you do, I, I'm a journalist too. I mean, journal and journal and journal. But I also too, Sinead, was, I, to me, what helps me is speaking out loud. And what I simply means is just acknowledging what has happened, even the bad stuff, not sit there with it. But a knowledge for us, because first of all, I need to say, I've said it for us before, congratulations to all of what you've been through. You've raised your kids. You've finished college. Applaud yourself. Put your pat yourself on the back. That was a lot. And you're still here. You're still here. And I say by day by day, take one day at a time. And maybe we really, the hot topic has really come out of this. And let's just talk a few minutes before we close about the trauma. And I use the word trauma in moms and having children and placing an adoption, whether that's the only child 
or other childs or your children or you've been through other situations. Talk about how that trauma really affected you. You had trauma on, you had complex trauma, a lot of different mm-hmm. scenarios, whereas a lot of maybe birth moms, maybe it was one big trauma with guarding placing a child. But talk a little bit about how that trauma affected you and what, what it's not say advice, but what would you say to other moms and how you've made it through it and how you've dealt with it? I would say with other moms, find, well, you did mention something earlier that there's not a lot of support groups or birth mm-hmm. moms. That's mm-hmm. one of the problems. So I'm glad your podcast exists i would say find if you can surround yourself with people that will support you emotionally Mm -hmm. um finding um finding people that are toxic it's never beneficial it's Mm -hmm. not i know that growing up if you grew up toxic that's what you're going to be drawn to but Mm -hmm. it's never the answer right 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 drugs alcohol is never the answer Mm -hmm. find something that you like to do i like to write it's therapeutic Mm -hmm. for me Mm -hmm. and also what's therapeutic for me i'm very generous i like to help people Mm -hmm. because that makes me not think about what i'm going through but Mm -hmm. to be a blessing to others and i feel like when we go through situations even if you're making a tough decision like placing a child for adoption Mm -hmm. try to see if you know any moms that are struggling with parenting and you parenting i mean uh, parenting or adoption may not be the best for others but be that listening ear to that expected mom especially with roe versus wade being demolished in certain states Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Be a listening ear to someone. Do not put yeah. your judgment aside. Right. Be that listening ear. Because a lot of times we'll, you'll try to confide in somebody and they're being judgment. Sometimes mm-hmm. people don't want that. They mm-hmm. just want somebody to listen to them. That's it. That's it. It is so powerful. And I see it, there's a the power in silence. Power in silence. Just as you said, Sinead, sit with them. Just being there, whether it's sitting over the phone or sitting side by side, to let them know I'm here for you. That is powerful. That is powerful. I've heard so many moms, I think I'm over 50 now, um, moms I've talked to was saying, someone held my hand. Didn't say a word, but held my hand. Or someone just said, I'm here for you. And and it was like they really were here for you and not no judgmental, but why? Not asking questions. People don't need questions. They need to know that someone cares about them. And I agree with you, Sinead. The more we reach out, and help others. We help ourselves. It, this 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 recording the podcast with you is a is an hour therapy for me. You know, and I say that because we help each other. Um, that goes back to, and I think you know, I'd said to you, I said to all of my guests, please just listen listen to my episode because I talk about why I'm doing this, and it's for me, but it's for all the rest of the moms too. So, cause we end this together. We're in this together and anything that we can do to help each other, we're just that much better, that much better. So any final words you'd like to share that we haven't talked about, we've got maybe about another minute to share. Any final words? Mm -hmm. 
you belong here. I know a lot of times when we go through situations, we feel like we don't belong, but mm. you can make an impact. Mm. Don't ever think that right. your voice is not important. You're not heard. Like I want people to feel empowered. Right, right, right. No matter what you've been through. You are a testament to that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you are a testament to that, and that's a big yep. that's a big thing that comes through uh, with this podcast because a lot of people adoptees listen, adoptive parents, people outside of the adoption realm will listen to it because, as I say, it's not talked about and they don't know, and so people it's a knowledge and wisdom that people can get from it, and when they see others, it is like you belong here, you deserve, and that's that empowerment. That not only just, it's not me, but it's the guest that brings this empowerment, just like you've brought this today, Shanae. So I so appreciate you being on and sharing your story. You're welcome. Okay. You've been listening to Birth Mom's Real Talk, where we talk about the real talk. We've talked about trauma, and Shanae has shared her journey. And oh, what a journey. So listen in, tune in, but see It's like it's not what you've been through or the past. It's where you are now. It's how do you react to the trauma, the toxicity or whatever in your life. And we all have trials and tribulations, trials and temptations. They're going to come. But uh, if we're not strong enough, who's going to be in your corner? Who's going to be there just to sit with you, listen to you, hold your hand, no judgment, just to listen and show you're valuable, you deserve to be here. So tune in to our podcast, follow us on Facebook and Birth Moms Real Talk, as well as Instagram. And if you're a birth mom out there, natural mom out there who want to share her story, because all the stories need to be told. All the stories need to be told. Go to our website, www.birthmomsrealtalk.com and submit your story and you could be our next podcast guest. Um, This is October. We're starting our fourth season. Um, The first of, it's first of November. I've lost track of my time. But soon we have new, new episodes. We've been taping. Uh, all summer, and you have new episodes. We'll be starting our Facebook Lives again. So definitely, Shanae, I want to invite you on and come with a Facebook Live that we do. We invite back guests, and we are live on Facebook, just talking with the moms. We write adoptees once a month, as well as adoptive parents. We need to talk and uncover all these secrets and people not wanting to share because that's the power that we all have. So thanks for listening in. Thank you. You have been listening in to Birth Moms Real Talk Podcast, a platform where birth moms and natural moms share their stories, their journeys. If you are a birth or natural mom and wish to share your story, please go to our website at www.birthmomsrealtalk.com. Follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Birth Moms Real Talk. Join our private Birth Moms Real Talk Village, a private Facebook and a monthly Zoom, a welcome package with a journal and book readings. Support us through Patreon, on our website, or PayPal. We are the place of grace and healing. See you next time.